Okay, so Mike Carbasi is not going to be on tonight with us. Uh, again, welcome uh, uh, to our great panel. We're going to start in a minute with Mayor Dyer um, to talk about the $7 billion tax coming our way for transportation, for economic improvements. And Mayor is going to talk about his position and what this tax means. Uh, we also have Michael Leonardo joining us this evening, uh, who heads the Fresno County Transportation Authority yeah. that you're a part of. I'm a part of that. Okay. I'm on that board, and as is the mayor. As is the mayor. And then I think uh, Mike Leonardo is also here to talk about the same thing as the mayor. That's correct. Maybe they, we could have them both on at gonna, the same time. They're going to be yeah. both on to discuss the tax that is going to be on the ballot. You should have received it. it. Those of you that have received their ballots will see a Measure C half-cent sales tax that will actually go into effect in 2027. The mayor and Michael Leonardo will, uh, will discuss that. Well, I want to say, we're going to discuss it in a minute, but it's a continuation of a tax. Continuation, correct. It's, yeah. it's so not a new tax. It's going to go into effect. It's already in effect. It's in effect. Yeah. Thank you. This, this measure, if it passes, goes into effect in 2027, will be, which will be a continuation of the current tax. There's two other tax measures on the ballot. One is for yeah, Fresno State, Fresno State facilities. facilities, right? And then another one is for a veterans, um, a new uh, veterans district. Got it. Okay. One is like 0.2 percent, and the other one is uh, 0.1 yeah. or some number uh, like we, that. You know, I think the mayor will be able to help us okay. on the veterans one. At least remember the numbers. I don't okay, perfect. What percent that is? So, um, but before we get started, and by the way, we got a couple of other quick poll items to share with you that we did regarding gas uh, prices. Uh, but before we, we start with all of the program, we're going to do a brief news minute from our very own Veronique. Let's roll that out with audio. Coming to you from the GVR studio, here are some of the trending stories that are making a local impact. The Fresno City Council recently approved Mayor Dyer's proposal <laughs> to fund 24 tiny homes and to extend the eviction protection program. Fresno Police Chief Paco Balderrama is calling for justice in the Merced Sikh family murders. In a tweet, he also called California's criminal laws weak. Girls ages 16 and 17 have been beaten to death for their anti-hijab stance, according to reports from Iran. Protests continue in Fresno and around the world against Iran's repressive leadership. And best-selling author and Pulitzer winner Bob Woodward is coming to the Saroyan Theater on October 19th to kick off the Town Hall series co-sponsored by GV Wire. Join the conversation on those stories and more now on Facebook and GVWire.com. Let's jump. By the way, um, the mayor's housing plan has got a lot of great support initiative. Uh, and, and I don't know if the mayor is going to talk about that this evening, but he's got a lot of great ideas on how to uh, get our housing numbers up, address homelessness, etc. But uh, before we jump into that, let's put up a poll, uh, which GBYR did on who do you blame for California's sky-high gas prices? Uh, is that Steve Branda was one of the people... What's that? <laughs> to be blamed for uh, California high, sky high grass, gas oh, prices. Oh, no. no, that's the opposite you, of me. If you look yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Okay. Um, Governor, Governor Newsom, uh, the state's over regulation, price gouging by oil companies, and all of the above. It sounds like the uh, majority of the 
<clears throat> blame, at least on this poll, is going to Governor Newsom. How many folks were be, were polled? Do we know that? Um, about oh, about over a hundred people responded to this poll, and 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 uh, before we get into the Measure C item with the mayor, uh, there's an article we're going to put on. Biden administration is considering retaliatory measures against the Saudis after they cut production of oil, which really increases oil prices and helps Russia get more revenue for its oil. Do we have that on the screen? There we go. Okay. So another GBY article, take a look at it. Uh, what is Saudi Arabia's relationship with the United States? Are they friends? Are they allies? Are they foes? Do they help us? Are they uh, adding to inflation? Are they helping Putin get more dollars by cutting oil production and increasing oil prices? You know, it's really almost the second time, if you remember, uh, Saudi Arabia really rejected Biden earlier in the spring. That's true. And so it's the second time in the same year that uh, um, the Saudi, the kingdom of Saud, is yes. uh, doing their own thing, yeah. which they're their own country. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're supposed to be our friend. <clears throat> Right. That's right. Now we're really suffering under these gas prices. Everybody's suffering. We're doubly suffering in California, uh, but uh, they're putting the uh, stiff arm in a football term. They're giving the stiff arm <laughs> to President Biden, and it's going to be really interesting how he deals with that. Is he going to do anything uh, to bring him in check, or is he just going to let him push him around? There we go. Good points. We'll find out uh, what Biden administration is going to do with Saudi Arabia and that relationship in the in the coming days and weeks. Of course. You know, the fall elections are around the corner. Ballots, were, at least in California, are getting dropped now. So some of this could be political you know, as well. Darius, you usually see an October surprise, and October's barely started, so we might still see an October surprise. But when you think about it, normally in a lead-up to an election, um, the, the party in power starts making sure everything's kind of going okay. Yeah. And, and that's not happening. At least it hasn't happened so far. Maybe they think they still have time. And in the second half of our show, we're going to talk with Jessica Patterson, right, uh, who runs the California Republican Party. Maybe that's a good question to ask her, because it seems like as we lead into these elections, the people are still suffering. Great, great point. And you're right. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Jessica Patterson, who <clears throat> leads the California Republican Party, is going to join us uh, at the bottom of the hour to discuss some of the races here in the Valley. Uh I want to check with Paul. Did we invite the Democratic head of the Democratic Party, Mr. Hicks, and they turned down our invitation to come on? Okay. Okay. With that, let's uh, jump right in uh, and, and, and get our mayor on board um, on the screen about... Mayor, tell us about Measure C, your position on this, how will, that will help City of Fresno... Uh, and would it would you have wanted it to be uh, different than what it is right now? Uh, first of all, let's make sure we get the mayor on the screen appropriately. I don't see that. Uh, could we? Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay, mayor. Good evening, and welcome to Un uh, Unfiltered again. Well, thank you, Doris. Thanks for having uh, me, and and not just uh, me, but Mike Leonardo, on who's uh, really the expert. Uh, in Measure C, but I, I will tell you from my perspective, I'm uh, very supportive of this measure because it is a measure that will be truly beneficial to uh, folks who live in Fresno County. Uh, and I say that because 
we've listened to what the people want in, in our communities, uh, whether it's rural or urban. And there's a common theme, they want their neighborhood roads fixed, uh, the potholes, the, they want uh, sidewalks, uh, they want curbs and gutters, and uh, they want to make sure that as they're driving down the streets that they are safe. And so 51% uh, of, of this measure, um, and I, I, I do think it's important to know that um, this measure has been in place for, I believe, since 1986. So um, yeah. it's not a new tax. It's just a continuance of an existing measure. But 51% of all the dollars uh, will be utilized for uh, local um, and neighborhood street repair and maintenance. So that that is what the people want. And that is what they clearly stated, not only during the polling, but also during the uh, community meetings and surveys. Um, and then there is a lot of flexible dollars for local jurisdictions that can also be used for, for, for streets or for sidewalks um, or um, perhaps to uh, anything else that that local jurisdiction really um, believes is meaningful to the people who live in their uh, particular city. So 18% of the dollars are, are flexible. Um, and I failed to mention of the 51%, 20% um, of those dollars can also be used for, for sidewalks. So a lot of flexibility, but with a, a major focus on fixing our streets, sidewalks, curbs, and gutters. Uh, let's get Michael Leonardo on, unless you had a question. No, for but I just, you know, for see, a little bit of history, this is this will be the third time that we've had a, uh, a transportation measure uh, that the folks can vote on. And, it, and the first one was really about uh, big road ideas, right? Like 41. 41, 168, 180, some of these massive re kind of regional projects. Then the measure that we just la are just wrapping up now, we have about two more years left. That measure still contains a lot of that work, but then has brought in more of what the mayor just described with potholes and, and sidewalks and stuff. This measure is moving even further that direction. Still now a lot less on the big regional projects, a big capacity movement of around the region. And it's more about, um, you know, more flexible dollars allowed for the municipalities like the city of Fresno, but also the other cities that make up Fresno County. So the first measure, without the first measure, we would not have 41 built. Or 180. Or 180. 180's got extended. Or 168 got yeah. extended into Clovis and beyond. And so, you know, that was super needed at that time, right? That's right. You, you can see the growth That's right. of, the, of the Fresno metro area has been a big benefiter okay. of that. So uh, we have Michael Leonardo, who is the executive director of uh, Fresno County Transportation Authority back with us. Thank you, uh, Michael, for joining, joining us back. Uh, this is a question we asked, or I asked last time. Uh, so the mayor just explained the, some of the flexibility and the major, some, so much of the money, I think it's 51% of the money is going to go to pothole repair, which people are tired of uh, getting their uh, wheels and tires blown out <laughs> going through potholes in our local streets. There's other measures to take care of potholes. Maybe you can explain that, uh, some of the local, some of the statewide taxes. Do, is there any other measure that can go to pothole, pothole repair? And then also, 
tell us if there's any congestion really. 15 years from now, 20 years from now, what would 41 driving down 41 or 168 uh, or 180 look like? And is there any congestion relief allocated uh, from the $7 billion 30-year tax? Is that correct? It's a 30-year yes. tax. Yes. So again, those two, if you can address those two for our audience, that'd be great. And welcome. Thank Michael. you, and glad to be here. Uh, a great question. So, on the first one, you know that that really it, it kind of hits the nail on the head of the problem that all of our communities have faced. Is there is no funding source for neighborhood roads? Uh, you can use your gas tax money, your state <clears throat> and federal gas tax money, to fix your major roads, your arterials and collectors, but neighborhood streets, you they're not eligible. And so there there are some. CDBG type grants that you can target particular neighborhoods, but there just isn't a, a funding source dedicated to fixing neighborhood streets the way the mayor talked about. And, and you know, taking that complete street approach, where you're fixing the streets, you're fixing their broken up curb and gutter and sidewalks. So it's it's really it's kind of reminiscent of the first measure that if we want it done, we're gonna have to do it ourselves because there's no one else that's gonna pay for it. So you know, that's that that I think gets at your first question. The second one is is absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the mayor said that the, uh, and, and Steve, that, you know, the percentage is smaller for the major roads and highways, but the actual money is more. Um, the 2006 measure was is projected to raise about $420 million over its lifetime. This new measure is gonna raise about a billion dollars for that program. And we figure it's going to also result in about two and a half billion dollars of matching funds. So there's there's quite a bit of money that we'll be investing, and it is geared towards congestion relief and safety. It's not geared towards increasing capacity, but it's it's geared to address those pinch points as we've talked before, Darius. Uh, you know, between two interchanges where you've got people merging on and off. It creates slowdowns, and so you end up with congestion. So the this will help address those. It'll upgrade uh, unsafe and uh, interchanges that also have <clears throat> uh, um, congestion issues. And is it true that the state of California legislators and and the governor's office will not allow? Uh, capacity enhancement on any of our freeways, including 41, 168. So no matter how jammed they're going to be, you know, at five o'clock, 10 years from now, I mean, right now at McKinley and 41 or one, you know, 180 and 41 at you know, from 430 to 6 p.m., you got bumper to bumper. So there's the state of California does not allow in capacity enhancement on our freeways. Is that correct? I want the audience to kind of hear it directly from you. Yeah, I, that, that's that's mostly correct. I'll, I'll, the caveat can is that... Yeah, sorry. That, that That is mostly correct, Darius. The only... So the state is not allowing what, what we call mixed-use uh, lanes or general-purpose lanes. So if you wanted to add a lane to 41 or 180 or 168 and allow anybody on it, the state isn't going to allow that kind of improvement. Now, if you add a managed lane, which could be a carpool lane, it could be a, uh, a bus rapid transit lane, uh, it could be a toll lane, 
then they will entertain that. So, you know, by and large, you're right. They don't want to add capacity to the system, but there are some cases where they will allow it. Magic wand, you would open up another lane on 41 almost already, right? Correct. But uh, I think what Mike is saying, one thing, and I have t I've had this discussion with Mike uh, on the FCTA board, is that in 15 years, this um, measure would allow us to take a look at 41 and possibly add a lane there. And what he's just saying is it more than likely could be an HO, HOV lane, right? So you have to have multiple passengers in the vehicle. You know, we see that when we um, when we travel to Southern California. I, I don't think you can have that either. I don't, uh, my, um, Michael, uh, can you have a high occupancy vehicle lane as a fourth lane on 41 or do we have to allocated as a bicycle lane before it could be funded? <laughs> well, with rare exception, bicycles are still not allowed on freeways. Um, so no, it, okay. an HOV lane, really the, the terminology is managed lanes and there are different ways you can manage a lane. You can manage a lane through HOVs. You can manage it through, as I said, bus rapid transit. You can manage it through congestion pricing. Uh, you know, where you toll it during the peak periods. And that is, that is, I mean, I'll tell you, the state is somewhat in a, in a state of flux, but that seems to be the direction they're heading is that for a managed lane, they will allow it. To get a, a managed lane or, or a fourth lane that has, that's somehow managed for some bus rapid transit, uh, you know, and other, mo other modes of transportation and, and potentially uh, multiple, if there's multiple folks in a car, they, we may be able to get funding to get that along 41. Is that correct? I, I believe that, yeah, that's correct that the, the state would allow it. Now, whether locally we decide we want to do that is a different question, right? Um, but yes, the state, at least with the current thinking that we have heard from Sacramento, they would allow that the city would spend its flexible portion of those dollars on? Yeah, thank, thank you, Steve. Yeah, and, and that was um, one of the things I think during our, as you well know, we spent a lot of time um, getting feedback from community members and negotiating amongst each other. But one of the things that we saw was the unique, uh, the unique uniqueness between the, the cities and the county uh, for example, counties and rural areas, um, you're, you're generally not putting in sidewalks, but you are in the city. Uh, the uniqueness between maybe city of Fresno versus perhaps Selma or Parlier, where we have a um, robust public transportation system and, and they may not. Um, and so that 18% flexibility allows us to fill some of those uh, funding gaps, for example, Public transportation under the current measure is funded about uh, almost 20%, 19.6% of Measure C. And those dollars are important to the city of Fresno because based on those dollars, we end up getting matching dollars from the state of California to fund our public transportation. So we're able to, since this measure only has 12%, uh, then we're able to take some of the local flexible dollars and make ourselves whole uh, along the way. 
And if public transportation over the next 30 years changes in some form or fashion, uh, you know, maybe we're, um, you know, riding around in, uh, in the unmanned aircraft above our city. I don't know. But that public transportation dollars would give us the flexibility to be able to meet those future needs. So that's what we're doing, uh, you know, with our public, uh, our local flexible dollars. And I think every, every city is going to be unique. The mayor brings up a great point uh, because, you know, we rely a lot on technology. If you think about what's changed in the last 15, 30 years, a lot has changed, right? We don't really know exactly what the future holds. So I think the flexibility is important. And like the mayor said, it can allow an urban area to focus on urban related needs. And it can allow a rural area to focus on, you know, more rural needs. And so I do like the flexibility. You know, the thing that remains to be seen is with the economy suffering, are people going to say, yeah, let's bite the bullet and pass this one more time? Or are they going to say it's too much? And uh, yeah. right now, I, I believe the measure enjoys great polling. I don't know, maybe the mayor or Mike can update us on what uh, the polling is in the community. And you need two thirds. You need two thirds to, to pass, right? Yeah. And, and so that's a, usually a very high bar. Two-thirds right. is a high bar, right? And we've seen other measures not make it, uh, but this this one does seem to have polling that shows that it could pass, you know. And I think that the only thing that is still challenging is, you know, the overall American economy. Is something happen in the next eight weeks where people get really fed up and say, you know, we're not going to do any, you know, extent tax extensions at this time? Four but, weeks. Four weeks, right? Yeah, four weeks. Just a little over four weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. I think, Steve, the, uh, you know, when you talk about the, the polling or public support, as I like to refer to it is, um, because really, as local officials, elected officials, we're supposed to carry out those things that our community wants. And if our community has said in a poll or surveys that this is important to them and they're willing to support it and vote for it, then as an elected official, I'm to listen to my constituency. Well, in the city of Fresno, I, I believe the numbers were very high. It was about 82% uh, for, of the people supported this, this uh, particular measure. So that's far above the 66%. We can't get 82% of the people to agree on anything. So, But what we do know is that uh, we have a large volume of people that are supportive of this. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard some of the opponents uh, maybe say, you know, you know, should we wait uh, a couple of years? We have time and uh, we could and, and we could roll the dice and we may not get the, the level of support that we need. Um, and it's important, I think, that we go now because community has said openly this is a measure we support at this given time. And so it's incumbent upon us to, to pursue that. Um, and there is one other thing I wanted to touch on because. You know, people talk about the length of the measure. It's a 30-year measure. Um, you know, things are going to change over the years, technology, advancements in transportation, et cetera. Uh, there's all the climate issues that are out there. But, um, you know, one thing I, I do believe we're going to continue to use for many, many, many more, more years, whether it's gas vehicles or CNG vehicles or electric vehicles, all of them have tires. And they're all going to be driving on our roadways. Uh, the difference between a lot of the gas-powered, um, engine-powered cars and the uh, all-electric vehicles is 
generally the all electric vehicles are heavier, uh, perhaps more wear and tear on the roadways. So um, these dollars are going to meet the needs in the future, meet, meet the needs today and in the future. And the sooner we can pass the measure, the faster we can bond against those future revenue dollars so that we can start the work today at a lower labor price and a lower material cost um, versus um, perhaps waiting into the future uh, because future dollars that we generate in this tax aren't going to go as far because of labor costs, material costs, et cetera, as we see with inflation. Those are great points, um, Mayor. I, I want to piggyback on something you said about electric vehicles, and I'm not against electric vehicles. I'm going to put it out there. But we know that electric vehicles are heavier. Uh, trucks, from, from what I understand, the F-150 uh, electric truck, uh, I think it's called the Lightning, is about 1,500 pounds heavier. An average electric vehicle is about between 600 and 900 pounds heavier, which means there's going to be more wear and tear on our road, road systems as a result of EVs. Is there any fees that the electric vehicles are going to be paying as a uh, I don't know if the mayor or, or Michael uh, would know that. And then I have a second question about our rural cities. But um, any, uh, is there any, any fees uh, for electric vehicles because of their weight? Because we know the heavier the car or the truck, the more damage, the more the, the damage they do to our roadways. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think the simple answer is, is that um, whether it's state or federal governments are trying to incentivize electric vehicles on our roadways. Um, so I don't, to my knowledge, there's not any um, current fees that are charged to electric vehicles or future. But I do know that as more and more electric vehicles um, are operating on our roadways, you know, the, the, the very thing that comes back to local governments, uh, SB1 dollars, the, our, our gas tax dollars, um, they're based on people that have gas-powered cars that fuel up at the, at the fuel tanks. And as a result of that, a percentage of those um, tax dollars come back to local jurisdiction for roads. The more electric vehicles we have, the less reimbursement we're going to be receiving from the state, which means we're going to rely more heavily on a local measure like Measure C to support our local uh, road needs. So I I just think that, you know, this is, in my opinion, a no-brainer. Uh, I think the people who were surveyed and polled saw that as a, as a no-brainer. Um, and I just hope that the overall voting populace sees it as such as well. Now, before the second question, so it sounds like the gas-powered cars are subsidizing the roads for electric vehicles. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there is there there as a part as a part of SB one, there was a new DMV fee for electric vehicles. Let's make sure uh, we get Mike on the on the screen. I think we don't have. Let's get. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, yeah, Mike. So there was a DMV fee increase that was included as a part of SB one, but in my opinion, that it's kind of a drop in the bucket. I, I think that the problem that the mayor describes is, is spot on and. As gas tax revenues decline and more and more electric vehicles get on the road, that's a, that's an issue that's going to have to be addressed. 
I think that, you know, on the heavy duty vehicles, their fees are based upon their weight. So I would assume that, you know, as you start to see electrified trucks, they're going to be paying more because their, their DMV fees are, are based on weight, but they're also not buying fuel. So I think that's, that's a looming problem out there. Um, and if I could, I want to go back and, you know, the mayor talked about why now and, and, and bonding. And I think that's certainly a prime consideration, but, you know, um, the legislature considered it was AB 2237 in the last session. It thankfully didn't go forward, but basically it was going to impose state regulations on our local funds. So if it had passed, that was it was basically going to say these are the things you can and cannot do with your measure funds. And it, it would have taken effect for any measure that went into effect after January of 2023. Well, that's off the table for this session, but it's going to come back. And even if it okay. doesn't come back, that's what the state is is really trying to do. And so it, to me, it's critical we get this in place so that we get to say where our money goes. And we don't have to, to have the state of California try and tell us where it can and can't go. Got it. Yeah. I have a prediction. Great point. So, you know, my prediction is that uh, once we have more electric vehicles on the, on the road, and I drive a hybrid, my car has a small electric motor for low speed and then when you get up to speed okay. shifts to a gas powered vehicle okay. so um and it's fantastic by the way but as we get to more electric cars my guess is sacramento is going to spin around and end up taxing people who drive electric cars because the need is going to be there we've already seen them do that more in solar you start off with a heavy heavy subsidy you get people addicted to that thing that you want them to do and then you pull the switcheroo on them. So everybody that's out driving electric vehicle, you probably have 10 more years of pleasure, but then the pain is gonna come because California is gonna to have to continue to deal with their roadways. And even when people are driving electric vehicles, they're gonna find a way to tax those vehicles. You think the gas tax is gonna go away then? <laughs> replaced by electric, electric vehicles? Absolutely. Okay. So right now, you know, they're putting chargers in everywhere and they're yeah. doing all of these subsidy things for that electrical car market. but. Uh, at the end of the day, we're still going to have to foot the bill no matter what kind of car you drive. I did want to ask the mayor and Mike, um, just recently we saw an article from former Mayor Swearingen and um, a, a, a co-author who talked about why they disagreed that they think now is not the time uh, for Measure C. I read it thoroughly, um, and I, but I wanted to ask these guys that are on with us tonight if they read that article and if they have any type of response. Let's start with the mayor. Yeah, well, I, you know, I do. Everybody's, in, as you know, Steve, everybody's entitled to an opinion. And, uh, you know, people's opinions are influenced by constituency. Um, but I, um, you know, can't speak to why certain people feel the way they feel. But um, I, I am concerned that, um, you know, that if, if we delay and uh, down the road, there's going to be more, much, much more of a push towards a, um, a climate control measure versus a transportation measure. And, um, and if that's what people want, then that's fine. But this is a transportation measure. It is for streets. It is for roads. And uh, that's not to say that we shouldn't be concerned about our climate. We absolutely should be. And there's money in there uh, in, this, in this measure to address that. But um, for bike lanes and et cetera to to make sure that more people are using alternative transportation. But, um, you know, this, this measure is one that the people of Fresno, first and foremost, 
feel is most important to them at this particular time. And that's who I'm going to listen to. Um, and I know you're going to listen to your constituents and, you know, people can write editorials and, um, and, and provide opinion pieces. But at the end of the day, I need to listen to the people of Fresno. Sorengen, the past previous uh, Ashley Sorengen, is opposed to this measure C for for different reasons. She wrote a piece. She felt the process was flawed. We know that there was a lot of people that complained about the process. But if you had you gave Mike Leonardo a chance, he would tell you that the process was very thorough. Okay, so some people <clears throat> didn't get all of the bells and whistles that they wanted. So they saying it's not the right time. You know, it's, it's going to be a decision for uh, the, the people that make up Fresno County. And so, um, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Meyer, uh, Maher, that is, I think this Mayor. is the guy that's running for Congress. He wrote um, on Facebook Live right now, hydrogen-powered electric vehicles are the future. Essentially, that's what he's saying. I'm, I'm, and, um, and, you know, that, <clears throat> that's part of that technology that we might see developed, hydrogen power, right? But... <clears throat> We have to go through, our, our roads are in bad shape right now. Uh, we're going to have some great technology in the future, <clears throat> but now is the time to fix our roads, right? So we can't, right. can't ever stop doing that. I think Michael's point is, uh, here we put it up on the, on the screen, hydrogen-powered electric vehicles have no battery degradation. So the challenge with EVs is that, you know, after 7, 8, 10, 12 years, you have to replace the battery. Uh, is that even doable? Well, you have to dump the battery. Today, we don't have recycling opportunity for batteries, for EV batteries, but <clears throat> hopefully down the road will. And some of those batteries are going to be filling up landfills, unfortunately. You know, uh, back but, to this thing about the former mayor yeah. um, who wrote this article. You know, so I think that there's some people out there, but I, don't, I haven't felt like there is an organized response to uh, in opposition to Measure C. I've already see, received things in the mail myself uh, that are yes on Measure C. So, you know, you might have a few voices <coughs> to say no, but unless there's an organized response, you know, which means a lot of money, then um, I think this thing is probably going to pass unless the national economy makes an impact in people's minds. Yeah. Can Steve, they, let me, let me, let oh, me add The mayor has again. a comment, and I've got a question for the mayor after that. Go ahead, Mayor. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, the level of support for this measure currently. You have 15 cities, including Fresno. Every one of them took this resolution before their elected body. All 15 of them supported the going forward with this measure C model. The Board of Supervisors supported it unanimously. And uh, so, you know, we have that, that support from every city government in Fresno County and the county government. We also have uh, widespread support from our, our trades, um, you know, folks that, that believe that this is going to create good paying jobs for people within our county, which it is. That's not been spoken of. And uh, there is a, um, a local hiring um, um, provision within this measure. And the, um, the, the other folks that uh, I think are, are supportive are, um, you know, across aisles. You have Democrats, you have Republicans alike who support this measure going forward today. You know, if I could, if I could add on to, 
to the, uh, the letter from Miss Waringen. I was kind of surprised when I read it because it's like every point she made, it's like, check, we did that. It's in there. Every single point she made. The only one that, you know, you could maybe say we didn't was the process. And I would argue that we had a really good process. But the things she's asking for, economic development, community revitalization, unemployment and wages. I mean, every point she makes, this measure is going to do. It's just, it's, it's hard for me to understand why she doesn't support it. That's a good point. Uh, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, we invited mayors, uh, previous mayor Sorengen to join us. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Paul, uh, but uh, she then uh, declined uh, to get on the show. Uh, can uh, our next uh, guest is on here? Is on, which we're going to switch over in a minute. I have two quick questions for Michael. Uh, is there opportunity for rural communities? You know in the county, is there any money to help with transportation from them to, you know, downtown Fresno, but mainly to North Clovis? One of the things that we've, I've learned is uh, some of our immigrant communities, they don't like to go to downtown Fresno because of all the one-way streets and uh, parking and getting tickets and having to have a credit card to, to pay for parking. If they want to go to a hospital, they go to Clovis community in North Clovis. much easier for them to get there. Is there any opportunity for some of these rural communities to have direct access to North Clovis, Clovis Community Hospital through this measure? Well, uh, being that I work for the mayor of Fresno, among others, I have to answer that pretty carefully. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so a couple things come to mind. Uh, Moses Stites, who runs the Rural Transit Authority, is a creative guy. He's very <laughs> service oriented. He gets people into town and then uh, fax gets them around town and into Clovis. There's fax serves the city of Clovis. So let's take the, uh, the center there that, uh, I, that the county put in Clovis, you know, where you kind of have to go to Clovis. Well, there's a way to get there if you don't have a car. Um, and if you do have a car, you know, the kind of projects we're talking about and whether you're going to Fresno or to Clovis, um, the rural program is focuses on connectivity between those small communities and the urban area. Okay. You know, what, where, where you go once you get in the urban area, I think there's choices that you, that you make, but this measure will help people get into the urban area. And then there are services within the urban area, either with facilities or transit to get them where they need to go. Thank you. With that, that's going to be a wrap. Please stick around, uh, especially uh, well, both you, Mike, and the mayor. We have our next uh, guest, uh, guest, guest on the show uh, right now, Jessica Milan Patterson, who heads the California Republican Party. Again, I want to reiterate for the audience that we did invite the head of the Democratic Party of well, California we've done that many times, many times, yeah. and he, uh, they, he, de Mr. Hicks, declined to. Uh, get on the show. So welcome, Jessica, uh, to the show. The hey, mayor, how are you? you? Probably, thank you. You probably heard the mayor. Uh, we're talking about the, the transportation tax uh, that's going to get uh, that's expiring end of 2026 and mayor supporting the extension of that uh, going from 2027 to 2057, uh, create $7 billion for Fresno County and all the all the different programs that's 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 going to help funding, including potholes. 
so that in a few years when you're driving through Fresno County roads, you hopefully have almost no potholes. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, Jessica, I believe you were in uh, Fresno just last week, and maybe uh, within a couple of years we'll have those roads a little bit better off from you, uh, for you on your next It was a fine city to visit. I'm shocked that the, the Democrats passing SB1 didn't get you everything that you guys needed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me let me actually get get to the mayor. Uh, if any comments from the mayor, uh, if if uh, if on the SB one, uh, before we get to, to some of the polling and some of the uh, specialty races that uh, Jessica is tracking down, mayor, any comments well, on that? No, just that you know SB one um, is relied upon by local agencies, certainly for their local roads. Um, it relieves our general fund. Um, you know, nobody likes a, uh, a sales tax, uh, especially like California that um, has excessive sales tax. Um, and, you know, we have seen um, a far greater gas tax in, in California than anywhere else in the nation with perhaps the exception of New York. I don't know. But uh, they're, they're, you know, what I've heard from people is this uh, and, and the Republican Party. People don't mind paying taxes if you know where the tax is going and there's not waste. The further you get from local government, the more difficult it is to see whether or not there is waste or not. In fact, I would bet my salary on the fact there is a lot of waste the further it gets from local government. So that's why more people are, are more likely to support local self-help measures like Measure C than perhaps a, uh, an SB1 or something of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I think a great example of that is high-speed rail, right? We've watched um, what started as a project from, you know, was sold to us as LA to San Francisco. Um, now is nowhere near that. Um, the completion looks far off in the distance um, and the cost of it um, has dramatically increased. And I think, you know, California voters believe that they were sold a bill of goods and, you know, the wrong people are getting rich off of this and it's not servicing anybody. Thank you, Jessica, for bringing up high-speed rail. I'm surrounded by pro-high-speed rail people. That's on the show. <laughs> but uh, you bring up a great point and I have no idea. When do you predict uh, that high-speed rail would be completed in the 2050s maybe, or you think even the 2060s? I think that actually people are going to wise up and I, I don't know that it ever comes to completion. Right. Well, I can say this as uh, I talked to somebody in the high speed rail authority, Merced to Bakersfield is going to open up. I think it's or Shafter, Merced to Shafter. Where's that? Shafter yeah, is south that's of us. That's the point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when you say open up, that's a very loose definition as well. Is it going to have a high-speed rail train on it? It's going to, it still remains to be seen. That's true. But, but let me say this. Uh, yes, high-speed rail is, uh, you know, is only connecting point A to point B. That doesn't really help us. But if it, it were to connect Fresno County to the Bay Area, uh, so we can actually live here and work in the Bay, in, in the Bay Area, it would be incredible. Now, with the in, uh, inventions or, or with video conferencing, uh, you or can, working from home. Or, but you can, you can work from home and, and actually still be uh, in, in the Bay, uh, working for a Bay Area company. Uh, let me, um, you know, hold on a second. 
supervisor, and I want to make sure I say it, uh, Amy, Amy Shuklian yeah. is, is watching. One of my colleagues. Tulare County has done some outstanding regional projects with Measure R that have helped to support major economic development projects. Her point on their measure. She's kind of rubbing it in right there. That's Thank right. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, she's a supervisor in Tulare yes, County. Yes, she is. Yep, and I That's spent right. Some time with her about a week ago at a convention, so she's real Great. sharp. Yeah. So, so now let's go to uh, the, some of the races. And before we start, there is a poll that GV Wire ran. No, I'm sorry, no. That, that po posted an article on, on a poll done on the Jim Costa, Michael Mayer race for U.S. Congress. Poll was done by Trafigal, Trafalgar Group. Uh, that shows basically the two candidates, Jim Costa and Michael, tied. There it is. It's on the screen. Um, yeah, this is amazing, Darius, and we'll get to Jessica. But this is a race that many people thought that uh, was a done deal. And here we see them at a, at a tie, right? Yeah. So if you would have asked people uh, six weeks ago or, or ten weeks ago, they would have thought uh, Jim Costa is going to walk away winning this thing. But it's very interesting that uh, he's been caught by uh, his opponent, Michael, the Republican Michael Mark. So the, some of the questions was, is this a real poll? Is it uh, you know, a cooked poll? Well, uh, I think the, the Jimmy Wire team dug into it, and we have some more data on who the recipients were, if you can put that up. Um, I don't know if our team has that on or has that access to that, but we know in the article, if you read the GBYR article, you'll see that poll results and also there it is, the breakdown of folks, male, female, and, and, uh, and um, the races. Uh, and it was, uh, sounds like it was a D or Democrat plus 15% is what, what their sample was according to one report. Let's let Jessica start right there. That's on a, that race. And there's a, let me, there's a brief video. Do we have the video we can put up? I think there was an interview with uh, Michael Moore and Jim Costa. We can put that on real quick, and then we're going to get uh, Jessica's feedback on that, on that race. And then we'll go to some of the other races. On the accuracy of the poll, it's uh, uh, real clear politics. Uh, pretty much every polling agency sees it as an A-rated poll. They've been very accurate. I have a, a high degree of confidence in those results. I think this is a GOP-driven poll, and so I'm not surprised about what it claims. I know the concerns that folks have with regards to inflation and gas prices and but they also know that I'm fighting for the, the people of the Valley. Clearly my passion and my desire to uh, uh, improve our water system, to deal with uh, the challenges that we find ourselves with regards to fixing a broken immigration system and uh, ensuring that uh, uh, we get a medical school in this Valley, among other efforts, are have my uh, undivided attention. I'm excited to have uh what I believe was in my gut and from talking just with the people in the community that they're uh, interested in seeing change and representation. So that's been the big thing that I've gotten back from the people in the community is there, it's time for change and, and new blood uh, for representing them. Jessica, Jim Costa made a point about trying to get a medical school. <laughs> I think Jim forgot that there is already a medical school 
here in North Clovis. Uh, that's called California Health Sciences University. Okay, Jessica, uh, your thoughts on that poll, uh, Michael Marr, Jim Costa. It's really exciting to watch what's happening in the Central Valley. You know, we have seen this as a battleground um, from the beginning. And once we got through redistricting, you guys know, you know, we came out of 2020, we played in four seats, we won in all four of those seats. Um, the only targeted seat that we had in 2020 was Congressman David Valadeos and getting that seat back. Um, following redistricting, um, we added five additional seats. We also, in the midst of all of that, had the special election for Congressman Nunez's seat. And Michael Maher played this incredibly well. Um, a lot of the candidates in that special were looking at, um, you know, what seat that they were going to move into that didn't really, wasn't really represented in that special election. And he didn't, you know, he focused on the community that he was from. And um, I think it's paid dividends for him. Um, this isn't one of the seats that was put on our original target list. And I can tell you, everybody's talking about it now. Um, just in the last week, this is a conversation that a lot of people are taking a second look at. And I think that bodes well for him. Got it. What other races are you uh, tracking down uh, in the Valley? So over on the Senate side, um, our opportunity for pickup is uh, with our, our candidate, David Shepard. Um, he is from Tulare County. And he's running against Melissa Hurtado, who, as you guys know, has moved into this district. She was originally going to run for uh, the 14th Senate District. So now she's moved into the 16th Senate District. Every single time we pull here, we get a larger gap. Um, and David Shepard is really working hard. Fourth generation farmer. Um, he knows the community incredibly well. Um, he comes from both sides of the farming community. He has a wonderful story to tell. And um, the last poll that we had had him up 15 points. Um, so we're excited about David Shepard. Over on the assembly side, um, we have two targeted seats in the Central Valley. Um, Sheriff Mark Pazin is running in what would have been you know, the Adam Gray seat there. Um, you guys are, are pretty familiar, I'm sure, with the councilwoman who's running against him. Um, our last poll showed him up four, um, which is really exciting. Um, and he's working incredibly hard um, every single day. And former mayor, yeah. Screen on. You were talking, which, uh, uh, which race were you just talking about? Oh, I was talking about 27 with Payson. Payson. yeah. But I'm happy to talk about that congressional one, too. No, no, go ahead. We just had the wrong, um, I just want to make sure the audience was not confused because you were talking about yeah. a different race than what we had on the screen. Okay, let's start from okay. scratch. Sorry about that. So go ahead. Former sh sheriff of Merced County, um, you know, he's been working really hard. We just did a, a what we call our rally through the valley um, where we were walking and phone banking with many of our candidates. Um, great turnout in uh, Madeira that we had for Sheriff Payson. Then over in the 22nd, we have uh, Sergeant Juan Alanis, who is running um, against a public defender. Um, in that race, we have him up 13 points. Um, so this is really exciting to get you know, this Republican representation uh, throughout the Valley. On the congressional side, of course, we'll be working incredibly hard to make sure that we bring David Valadeo back to Congress. Um, he's just someone who represents the Valley so incredibly well. Um, you know, when you have someone like Rudy Salas, who 
um, hasn't done any work to bring relief to uh, drivers all around California, um, has missed votes, um, and now has backed out of a debate with Congressman David Valadeo. Um, it's pretty clear, like, will he really show up for the people of the Valley? I think the answer to that is no. Um, so this is going to be one of those races that is decided by a thousand votes. You know, this is going to be a race that we're probably watching all the way till the first week of December. Then we have two more offensive targets. Um, one is an open seat where we have um, farmer John Duarte, who's running for Congress against um, current Assemblyman Adam Gray. Again, another one who voted for the original gas tax and has done nothing to bring relief to the people in the Valley when it comes to the amount that we're paying at the at the gas pump. Um, yes, we are the number one in the nation when it comes to gas taxes. Today, um, we are paying $6.29 on average per gallon of gas. Uh, the national average is $3.92. Um, so that means we're paying $2.37 more per gallon uh, than the national average. To give it context, a year ago, we were paying $4.44 a gallon. Um, you know, this is, you know, go ahead. Let me ask a quick question. Uh, 538, which we just had on the screen, uh, said that Adam Gray, and they do the, you know, uh, Nate Silver's uh, company, uh, yeah. that Adam Gray is favored to win the California's 13th district. Is that what? Yeah, no, it's shows? definitely a close race. Um, I think that you're going to see um, as we continue to get closer to the election, that narrowing even more. Um, of these nine races, um, almost all of them are within the margin of error. Um, some of them were up in, some of them were behind, some of them there were even in. Um, and I, I just want to remind everybody, in 2020, um, all of the prognosticators, all of the analysts, they said that Republicans were going to lose 15 states, 15 seats nationwide. They got the number right. They got the party wrong. Um, we ended up picking up 15 seats. That's a swing of 30 seats. And there was no state that brought more new Republicans to the House of Representatives than Big Blue California. And now we're going on the offense in five additional seats. So um, I feel good about where we are. Um, but, you know, these wins and these victories aren't given. They're earned. And so that's what we're doing every single day, making sure that we are like we did this past weekend with our rally in the Valley, talking to every single voter, making sure that voters are turning their ballots in. Uh, these races are incredibly close and we have a huge opportunity. Got it. Did you know that the 15, the California sent 15? Well, no, we sent four new Republicans. We played in four, four Republicans. Seats. We won four. Nationwide, yeah. we sent, there was 15. Uh, we picked up 15 seats. You picked up 15 seats, okay. Well, you know, Darius, that, and we know that California is a deep blue state, right? Right. But there is so much going wrong in our state. And Democrats recognize this, independents recognize this, and Republicans have known it for a long time. Uh, Jessica just mentioned high-speed rail a few minutes ago. There's dozens of problems like that. And so for the people who are staying in the state of California, because many are leaving, but for the people who are staying in the state of California, they're starting to ask themselves, you know, what's going wrong? We have a, a governor who's more interested in running for president some years from now. No, rather, two years from yeah, now. Rather than, well, whether he's going to do it or not, we don't know, but he's spending a lot of time on that. Rather you spend than, a lot of time with Governor Newsom, don't you? <laughs> no, he, never, he doesn't check in with me very often. <laughs> okay. I wish he would check in more. Me either, Supervisor. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it doesn't surprise me. At some point, I'm not saying that the state of Cal. I'm not one that believes that the state of California is going to turn red overnight. I don't think anybody really believes that's no. going to happen overnight. But, but with the work of Jessica and others, you know, we have to make some inroads. We have to fight hard and take uh, every one of these races uh, to the finish line. No, exactly. Inga has got a great question. How many new Republican registered voters do we have? Is that that's a question for uh, Jessica? Yeah. So when I first was elected chair of the California Republican Party, we were actually the third largest party in the state, if you counted declined states as an organized party. Um, in my first term, uh, we registered over 624,000 new Republicans. And we actually pushed the declined states to third place and took that second place. Um, we've had a cu tough couple of years with people moving out of the state, um, but this is something that we focus on every single day. And what I wanted to always do as a party leader was to make sure that people felt welcome in our party, to focus on the things that we agree on, focus on making our state better, focus on making it golden again, and find anyone that identifies as a Republican and making sure that they feel welcome in our party. You've been um, uh, on the show several times now. You know, we, we're starting to hear as Republicans uh, more and more about Latino voters shifting away from the Democrat Party. We some, saw some amazing wins in Texas, for example. We're starting to see things happen in Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, have you seen that happening in California? Are you encouraged by what you see? I am encouraged by what I see. You know, when I was first elected in February of 2019, there was a lot of headlines. It was the first woman, first Latina, first millennial, best hair. And um, there is a huge focus for us to engage in communities that have been neglected by our party over the years. Um, that we had essentially ceded to the Democrats. And I've got to say that we could not have a better partner than our chairwoman at the national level, Ronald McDaniel. Um, she's been a transformative leader for the party. Um, we have opened community centers throughout the state, throughout the country. Um, that aren't the typical campaign headquarters where you're just launching precinct walks and phone banks. Um, but we are focused on um, helping people with legal issues and language issues. Um, we have uh, our Republican Civics Initiative that we have uh, individual staff that is that are trained by the State Department um, to help people um, that are um, studying for their citizenship tests. Um, we have a, you know, an Asian headquarters down in Little Saigon where a uh, Vietnamese uh, dance team practices on Saturdays. In our Latino headquarters, we have them in, in Congressman Valadeo's district, in Bakersfield. We have it in Congressman Mike Garcia's district, in uh, Palmdale. I think you're going to continue to see this. Um, you know, someone like John Duarte, when I was first elected, he invited me to his farm um, to meet with his farm workers and talk to them about the issues that were most important to them. And I can tell you what those issues were. Um, they wanted to make sure that they had a good job so they could provide for their families. They wanted to make sure that their kids were getting a great education so they could be better than this generation. And they wanted to make sure that their streets are safe. And these are things that California Democrats have absolutely failed on. And California Republicans are offering solutions to it. We're not seeing the, the movement as fast as we have in some of these other states like Texas um, and Florida. Um, and of course, with you know, Florida, it's a different kind of Latino that's coming to um, their state. Um, but we are seeing it here in California. And I honestly think that the, the Latino community is going to be 
the road back to balance and to sanity here in California. Yes, Jessica, uh, I got a, one final question. Um, but what, uh, Inga has another great question also. Do you work with, just quickly, maybe yes or no, do you work with Rick Grinnell's group in California? Rick is a separate organization. He's doing wonderful work to help try and clean up the voter rolls here in California, but it is Got a it. separate organization. Okay. So the Republicans uh, will take the House, in your opinion, and if so, what by what number? And then uh, the, the Senate doesn't look as good, maybe looks more bleak for Republicans to take. Uh, what is your forecast on both of those houses? So I think that right now the Senate is a 50-50 shot. You know, of the eight seats that we're looking at, seven of them are either plus or minus four for Republicans. Um, so all right there within the margin of error. I think anyone that says that it's a 50-50 shot, they are absolutely right. Um, on the House side, I think that we will take the House, and I think that it will be um, a healthy enough margin where uh, future Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, will be able to lead and govern um, very smartly uh, over the next two years and, and hopefully for the next decade. By maybe seven to ten, you think, in the House? I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. And Senate is, is really anybody's call at this point. It could be a toss-up. Uh, Mitch McConnell said a few weeks ago that it's going to be a tough race. Some of the candidates, uh, maybe this was eight weeks ago, uh, didn't get enough support. But uh, back then, Roe v. Wade was a center uh, discussion uh, with so many folks across the country. And now it's really inflation, economy. We're going to get it to a, we're heading to a recession. And especially for those folks that are on fixed income, they're seeing their, you know, financial, their purchasing power erode substantially because this massive inflation and, and massive spending we're, we're, we're suffering right now. Post-Labor Day, we're looking at, you know, a lot of momentum on our side. So I feel good about where we're at, um, but there are very tight races. It's going to come down to um, what's happening on the ground and what motivates people to vote. Senate by two, uh, House by 30. This is Inga's uh, projection. That's, I uh, love Inga. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Steve, any well, final comments? Yeah. You know, Darius, and I agree with Jessica. <clears throat> I think the momentum's with the Republican Party. In the dog days of summer, you know, it just seemed like people weren't paying attention. It looked like the Democrats were rebounding. But, you know, we had our president the other day give a speech about uh, Armageddon. He used the word Armageddon, and then he goes to Delaware and has more ice cream. So, you know, the people are tired of that. They know there's very serious threats to not only the economy, but the United States on many fronts. And I think they're, they're really, by the time they pull the trigger in the voting booth, they're going to they're gonna vote more Republican than we expected in August. Well, we're going to have a great show um, on the 15th of November discussing some of these races. Hopefully, some most of them will know There's what the results are. There's some we won't are. know about. I promise you. There's some that won't be called here in California. Till till when? Till last last time in 2020, we didn't get Mike Garcia's race called until votes needed to be certified on December 5th. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Of course, we need somebody watching the Dominion voting machines as always. <laughs> But, uh, you know, well, we have a very like, robust election integrity team at the California Republican Party. In 2020, we had about 60% of all ballots being watched. Uh, and in a race like Mike Garcia's or David Valadeo, you can certainly expect 
um, some funny business going, but we had lawyers, staff, and volunteers on the ground. In the 2021 recall, we had 97.5% of all ballots being watched. So I feel very confident in our elections here. Okay, I want to know if the if the mayor is still on uh, or not. Any final comments? Yes, the mayor is on. Uh, you've been watching this. Uh, these are uh, wrap-up comments. You have any comments on Jessica's uh, points on uh, the races here locally as your final points? You know, I, I think they're uh, intriguing comments. Uh, I'm not in a position to agree or disagree because, you know, I'm not the expert she is. But um, one thing I do know about polls, uh, polls change, um, you know, up until the election time. And uh, it is going to be interesting. I look forward to um, seeing what the outcomes are. And I agree that uh, many of these races aren't going to be um, decided until probably um, around Thanksgiving. So I think that's, uh, that's a fair assessment. Great. Uh, thank you, Mayor, uh, for joining us this evening. Jessica, any final comments? Before we wrap no, up, no, we've got some great opportunities, but like I said before, this is not given, it is earned. So everybody needs to make sure they're doing everything they can. When races are this close, it's decided by the special teams, and that's what our ground troops are. They're out there knocking on doors, they're collecting ballots, they are making those phone calls and turning out their votes. They're talking to every single one of their friends and family and neighbors, making sure that they vote. And that's what we got to do in the next 30 days. Fantastic. Steve, uh, before we wrap up no, your... I'm going to let Jessica say the final word there. I think she did a great job. Thanks for her coming on again uh, tonight, and then as well as the mayor coming back on Unfiltered, and Mike Leonardo. This is not his first rodeo either. That's right. So thanks to all of our guests tonight. Well, I also want to thank uh, Jessica for joining us this evening. Sorry that Mr. Hicks, uh, the uh, head of the De Democratic Party, could not join us. Thank you, Mayor Dyer, for your insights on uh, the transportation and economic development uh, for, for Fresno County and the city of Fresno going forward. Uh, thank you, Michael Leonardo, for your insights and uh, some of the, your information and data. Uh, let me, I'm, I want to end by saying this. Please be an informed voter. There's so much misinformation out there. Uh, Jimmy Wire is going to put up, uh, have an election. Uh, tab so you can get great information on candidates, especially local candidates uh, that are uh, running for some of the local races, uh, and of course uh, congressional uh, assembly, etc. And uh, look, this is a great opportunity for us as Americans to exercise our rights as citizens of this beautiful country. Something that I cherish uh, every time I get a chance to vote for our, our candidates. So, uh, with that. Uh, thank you for watching and hope to see all of you uh, next Tuesday. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, thank you, Jessica. And thank, thank you, Mike. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good night.